office. Now, this morning, the elders are going to speak individually, and hopefully I don't set the world record for the longest one here, but uh, I'll do my best. I actually told Dave that if he wants to get the shepherd's crook out and pull me off stage, he can do that. So, uh, but I, what we want to talk about is, is uh, you know, we're coming into the season, and we're already here in the season of Thanksgiving. And uh, so what can we be thankful for? What can we praise God for? And I love those songs we were able to sing together, thinking of the sovereignty and love of God and his hand over us. He alone is the Lord, and he loves you. And he, he, he showed that to us uh, throughout history in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Even my granddaughter was singing with us. I heard her back there, Heather. And uh, so praise God for, for being able to come together and sing. Um, I wanted to kind of, in looking at praise and thanksgiving, I want to do not want to ignore the reality of things like the paradise fire, okay? The camp fire. It's kind of a strange term. I guess that's the area it's in. It's called camp. And then we had the car fire, right? And there's other fires that have gone on in California. And, of course, along with those, it's not only the loss of property, but the loss of life, okay? People's lose their jobs, uh, lose their loved ones. And, uh, and there's other, other things. We've had the loss of life in our own family here through um, men passing away unexpectedly. And uh, just even the, uh, maybe the homeless problem in Reading is on our minds. Some of us, uh, crime and those, the way Reading is changing. Maybe the politics didn't go your way this last election. And you're thinking, oh man, is God even in charge anymore? You know? <laughs> Of course, we know he is, but I don't want to ignore those things because how do we move from these tragedies to hope to being thankful and praising God? How do we do that? And uh, so hopefully, uh, in a relatively short period of time, I can take us through some of that journey because I remember a guy named uh, Rabbi Kushner years ago wrote a book, How Can Bad Things Happen to Good People? I don't know if you remember that was not a biblical book, okay? His conclusions were not biblical, but I think it was kind of a catchy title. And uh, so I want to tell you what God's Word says about that, why we're in the predicament we are, and what our hope is. And uh, so the first thing here is, why do these things happen? Well, I think most of us know if we go back to the beginning, that's a good place to go. Genesis chapter 3, and now I've, I've typed all these references out, but uh, it talks about the fall, talks about some things that happened during the fall, and part of that was uh, Genesis 3, 16 through 19. It says, uh, to the woman, God said, y'all will make greatly multiply your pain in childbirth. So apparently they had children without pain. Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing, ladies? Yeah, but uh, now that's not true, and uh, that apparently was part of God's judgment on us as a, a culture, as human beings. And uh, then he said to Adam, he said, uh, uh, you know, cursed is the ground because of you, and toil you will eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles shall grow. Uh, you'll eat the plants of the field. You'll have to sweat to work. And uh, so it sounds kind of bad there. You know, you're going you're gonna to have to, uh, I don't know what they did before if they were able to not sweat and work. I find that hard to believe. But, but there was something that changed, and not only did it change with our relationship to God, that broken relationship, but the whole earth, the whole universe, every molecule was affected. And uh, 
In Romans 8, 22, it says, For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. So we have death, disease, disasters, earthquakes, hurricanes, epidemics, pandemics, viruses, and all that wonderful stuff, right? And that is the result of the fall and the cosmic ripple effect, if you will, over the millennia of God's creation. Some of you may know the second law of thermodynamics. This isn't a class in science, so forgive me. It's called the law of entropy. Everything goes from order to disorder. You know that if you look in your garage, okay? Or those of us that don't wash their car all the time, you know? Uh, you know, things go from order to disorder. How does that happen? You know, I left it alone, and it's worse than it was before, unless I put, do something with it. So that's a natural loss, and I think it's secondary to the fall as well. And uh, the very galaxies themselves have been affected. I mean, look at Cain and Abel, the first kids. What happened? The first sin was not, you know, with a family member was murder. You know, Cain was jealous. He killed his brother. And if you go further in history and you look at the book of Judges, it ends with they all did that which was right in their own eyes. It was chaos. They didn't care about God, you know. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9 says this about us and our hearts. The heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? Wow. So things did not start out well. You know, we blew it. And uh, because of that, there is death and disease and uh, crime that happens and all these things. But I, I, I want to tell you a story that is not original with me. It's actually from... Jesus himself in Luke chapter 13. It's just a short one, but I think it's very profound about our condition now. Now Jesus said this. He said, Now on the same occasion there were some present who reported to him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. So here there was a group of Galileans worshiping in the temple in Galilee. They were murdered by a bunch of Roman soldiers for some reason. We don't know the details. Jesus says this, do you suppose that these Galileans were greater sinners than all other Galileans because they suffered this fate? You know, were they worse? Was this a judgment of God? And Jesus says, I tell you, no. And then he says something interesting, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. We'll get to, get to that. And then he says, this had happened locally. And I think of our fires and other disasters that happened. Or do you suppose that those 18 on whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed them were worse culprits than all the men who lived in Jerusalem, Jesus asked rhetorically. And he says, no. And he gets, says again, unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. So here Jesus brings up two things. You know, one is kind of a personal thing where these men were murdered while they were trying to worship, in fact. And then this other natural disaster, we would say, where this structure fell on a group of people and they were killed. And, and I think of the, quote, natural disasters like fires or earthquakes or tsunamis or floods uh, and just uh, the death and tragedy and things that happen. And, and Jesus is basically saying these things didn't, didn't necessarily happen because God was judging anybody or punishing anybody. These things happen because we're in a fallen world. That's what he's saying. So things like the fire, things like, you know, Hebrews 9.27 says, It is appointed unto man once to die, and then comes judgment. So the idea is, 
because on this side of eternity, we don't live forever. We die. Unless Jesus comes back, you know, Maranatha, Lord, come back. Maybe it'll be tonight. That'd be awesome, wouldn't it? And, uh, but if not, at some point, I will die. It could be this afternoon. God's providence might have it. It may not be. So, so what's going on? Where's our hope in this? Obviously, our hope is not in this world or the things of this world. Our hope is in the person and work of Christ, and we sang about some of that, about God the Father, the good, good Father, who does things perfectly and even was proactive in seeking you and I out to restore our relationship that we broke with himself, the beauty of a good, good father. And there's our perfect model for fatherhood. If your dad wasn't perfect, look, look to Jesus, look to God the Father. That'll be a perfect model for you there. 1 Peter 3, 1 Peter 1, 3 through 5 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away reserved in heaven for you, who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. There's a whole lot in there. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who did this great thing according to his mercy, caused us to be born again to a living hope, a living hope. Why? Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Jesus died. He rose again. He sits at the right hand of the Father. Jesus said, For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. And boy, I'll tell you, there's a lot of lost. Are we focusing on that in thanksgiving? Are we thankful for our own salvation and what God has done for us? Do I want to thank God enough to tell somebody else about that good news, about that living hope in Jesus Christ? We know all creation suffers because God tells us. It says in uh, Romans 8, 18 through 25, a long portion, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Wow. That's the opening line Paul gives us. Yes, he knows we suffer, some of us to greater degrees than others. It may be physical, it may be spiritual, it may be both. Okay. But he said that, and he suffered. Paul suffered. He was beat many times, left for dead, and a whole bunch of other things that uh, most of us will not experience to the same degree he did. And he said all those things are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us of our future. For the anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. The anxious longing of creation. I think, you know, creation groans. We know that. That's why we have these storms. I remember in 2004, thank you, Dave, <laughs> my beloved brother. 2004, I was in Banda Acha, okay, and uh, there had, you guys remember the tsunami, some of you, in that year and how bad that was? Bodies were lined up on the beach. It looked like cords of wood, it was not very happy. But uh, that tsunami, did that happen because that was a Muslim nation and God was judging it? I don't know. I really don't. I do know that the world came to help them and minister to them 
and uh, even the gospel was allowed to come in, which was amazing. Um, but that's part of the groaning of this earth, those, those disasters. We call them natural disasters. For the creation was subject to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom, the glory of the children of God here. He's talking about the new heaven and the new earth. God is going to recreate the heaven and the earth and make them perfect. We have that hope. For in hope we have been saved, but hope that is seen is not hope for who hopes for what he already sees. But if we hope for what we do not see, with perseverance we wait eagerly for it. So our hope, the word itself, talks about the future. It talks about a future based on the character of God and his promises. That is what we can always be thankful for. Thank you, Lord. Good morning, church. So, just for the record, I am not a preacher. Okay. Um, but I'm here to tell you about the good news, and uh, that is uh, the light of Jesus. They asked us, each of us, to come up here and say something that we were thankful for, something personal. And um, uh, we're coming up, my family is coming up on a milestone uh, on the 21st. My son, Michael, will be 20 years old. And um, many of you know that, that that is a miracle. Many of you may not know my son, Michael, but in 2005, he was uh, diagnosed with uh, cancer. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, he had a pretty good battle twice. Uh, he, he was healed by our Lord, um, and I give him full credit for that. But the second time, uh, the doctors told us that we should get ready to take him home and uh, make him comfortable because there was no hope for him. And um, so it was a pretty dark time in our life. And uh, we focused all of our energy uh, on the Word of God. We made an agreement that uh, no matter what happened, that we would love the Lord. And um, uh, that we were going to seek Him first. And now, I know that's easier said than done. And it is easier said than done. But we did it. And uh, we focused on the Lord. And He worked through us and through our family. And, um, and, uh, and my son is alive today even when the doctor said that he would not be alive today. And I'm, so I'm grateful for that. And, uh, and it is a miracle. And um, there's obviously a lot more to that story than I could even stand up here for a long, long time. But our church has been through a lot of darkness over the last several years. Um, you know, where we've had these bumps and bruises all along the way. And, but Jesus is in charge here. We're not in charge here. And he is the light that we look towards and I don't know what plans he has for us, but I'm just going to trust in him and, uh, and trust that he's, he's in charge here. And so I'm just asking you to join us uh, to do that and, uh, and trust in the Lord and not people. I didn't trust in the doctors, although the Lord used the doctors to heal my son, but I trusted in the Lord. And, uh, and ultimately, you know, he's in charge. And... Um, so I just want to leave you with our kind of our family verse, um, and that's Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, and that is, I know many of you know it, but it's uh, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future, and I believe that our church, the Lord's not done with our church, and uh, there's a hope and a future here. Um, there's 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 light through the smoke outside. And uh, we just have to pray through it and trust the Lord.
And um, so that's what I'm thankful for. Happy Thanksgiving, church. Thank you. This church came alongside of our family, and, uh, and it's because of that that it helped us grow in our faith and uh, helped us walk through that. We didn't do that alone, and uh, the Lord put this church in our life. And, uh, and so we're here to just to try to serve and give back as much as we can in that, in that area. So thank you for the few moments that I could speak up here. So. Awesome. Thank you, Mike. Um, the idea this morning is we want to catalyze in each of us just a time of reflection and a time of thanksgiving. And I think there's something powerful about giving thanks in the midst of pain. There's something that, that's just so pure when we can say praise God when things seem to be falling apart or, or when uh, you, you can't really pay the bills or, or maybe your bank account doesn't have what you want it to have in there. There's something powerful about saying blessed be the name of the Lord. And I wanted to read for you guys just a passage in uh, Psalms, Psalm, 30, Psalm 34, one of my favorite Psalms. Um, I, remember, I remember Pastor Bruno growing up. His favorite verse was Psalm 34, 6, where it says, This poor man cried out to the Lord, and the Lord heard him and delivered him from all of his troubles. I want to read for you these first few verses in Psalm 34. I will praise the Lord at all times. I will constantly speak his praises. I will boast only in the Lord. Let all who are helpless take heart. Come, let us tell of the Lord's greatness. Let us exalt his name together. That's what we're trying to do this morning. Let us tell of the Lord's greatness. Let us exalt his name together. I prayed to the Lord and he answered me. He freed me from all my fears. Those who look to him for help will be radiant with joy. No shadow or shame will darken their faces. In my desperation, I cried out to the Lord, and he listened, and he saved me from all my troubles. That's our God. Later on in that passage, uh, it, it actually says that the righteous face many troubles, but the Lord delivers them from each and every one. And so here we have, we have a fire going on right now, the campfire, the deadliest, worst fire in California history. Um, we have a loss of a, a loved one this last week in our church. Um, Sarah Salmon's uh, father suddenly died. And we've got all of these things, all of these sad things that it's very easy to look at and be overwhelmed by, isn't it? John and Sarah moving to another city, that's, that's heartbreaking. For me, he's... He's a close friend of mine. I'm going to miss him, you know? I'm going to miss our Monday nights watching The Bachelor. So, probably shouldn't have told you that, but we would do that every, every Monday night. It was because of our wives, right? No. One thing I want us to do, though, is we're going to take a time at the end of this service to gather together and just praise God. You could do that as a family. You could do that by yourself. You could do that with the people near you. But just think of what God has done in your life and think on two levels. What has God done in your life personally and what has God done in your life through this church? And as I look at it, it personally this past year in our life, one of the amazing things God has done is uh, we suffered a financial setback this spring. 
And it was something that, that to us was a substantial amount of money. And, and that was the money that we were saving for our vacation. We were planning a very special vacation for our kids to meet up with a family from India that we had spent time with and, and we really loved and missed. And we were going to meet them. And uh, whew, the money was gone. We had a setback. We had to pay that money. And I just remember all summer long we were talking to the kids. I don't know if we can go on this vacation, you guys. I don't know if we can do that. Let's pray, and we'll give it to God. And uh, we, we did that. We prayed. We gave it to God. And, and the kids would say, hey, can we go? Can we go on vacation? I'd say, I, I don't know if we can go. I, I really don't know. Let's give it to the Lord and just trust him. Here's what I do know is that if we don't go this time, we'll, we'll plan another time, and it'll just be a wait. It's a first world problem, right, to go on vacation or not. That's not a major issue for most of us. But for us, it was something special. It was something that was significant, and it meant a lot. And so it was a beautiful thing to see my kids praying. Lord, would you do this if it's your will? Would you provide if it's your will? And it was an amazing thing. Is the, uh, it was maybe a week out until the day we were supposed to leave. That God just, all of a sudden, money just started coming in. From the people of God, from crazy places. And we, we couldn't believe it. And our kids got to see this. And our kids got to see the faithfulness of God. And he used some of you to come through for us in an amazing way. And it was just such a blessing for us. And our kids got to see how God, he cares. He cares about details. He cares about your life. He cares about the things that mean something to you. There's a reason for that. And he even wants to bless you in those things. He doesn't always give you exactly what you want. But he does care. And he does provide. And as a church... I think one of the, the times I was most blessed by this church was during the car fire. This church stepped up in a huge way. Many of you were there right along with us. And I thank God for Chaplain Jim that he's here. And he was, he's really, this is his heart and passion. And because of that, our church was on the forefront of being there for people. And I, I was there. I remember, you know, mopping floors with some of you and emptying trashes with some of you. And I thought to myself, this is the sort of church I want to be a part of. And I want us to be a church like that. That's our heart, that we are a church that's there for people, that opens our doors and loves on people. And so I just want to thank and praise God for what he did in our life personally, his provision, and then what he did in our life as a church. In, in one of the darkest times in our city's history, this church came together, and it was a beautiful thing. So that's all I have. But I want us to be thinking about that, about praising God even in difficult times. Mike? Well, he said to keep it five minutes. Um, you know, last time I spoke, it wasn't five minutes. It was quite a bit of time. But anyway, um, you know, I was looking at uh, the scripture. Well, first of all, I was wondering who was going to backwash in that first kind of for all of us. Yeah. Anyway. But 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16 through 18 is where we're going to look at really quick. But the Apostle Paul is given instruction to the Thessalonians, and these folks were under intense persecution at the time, um, going through major trials. And so I had a pastor friend. We were going through some tough times, Kelly and I, years ago. And, and this is a passage that just helped us walk through trials and helped us walk through things that that just totally got our eyes off of the circumstances and everything that was going on in our life 
and got us to focus back on who God is. And so in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 and 17, 18, it says, Always rejoice, constantly pray, and everything give thanks. For this is God's will in Christ Jesus. And so there's three commands here that we're looking at. And the first one was to always rejoice. And you go, wow, how do I do that? You know, because, I mean, you look at these fires and the devastation and just loss of loved ones. You go, well, how do I rejoice in that? I mean, there's, there's nothing to rejoice in. But, but what he's asking them is to rejoice in who Christ is. And, and Paul, he talked about it in, in verse 1 or verse 6 of chapter 1. He said, here, and you became imitators of us and of the Lord when you received the message with joy that comes from the Holy Spirit. So the message was about the gospel, and they received it with joy. And so, and it was through the power of the Holy Spirit. So how do we rejoice? It's, and how do we have that continual attitude of rejoicing? It is through the power of the Holy Spirit that's working in and through us. So just don't forget that. And then the next thing was to constantly pray. And this kind of prayer looks like a cough, a constant hacking cough. Thank you. I, that was perfect timing. I was waiting for someone to do that for me. Um, but, you know, it's that continual hacking cough. Or, or one um, person I was reading, he was talking about it was a repeated military attack, you know, where they just continually pound and pound and pound away until they finally win their adversary. And so it's that kind of prayer. And what that kind of prayer is, is it's keeping in constant fellowship with the one who knows what's going on. He has the big picture. And so it's always thinking, always praying, and it's just that continual thing. And this pastor friend of mine, when he showed me this, and he says, you just read it for, I want you to read it for two weeks. Just read it and read it and read it and think and think and think and just think about it. And then come back and tell me what you come up with. And uh, anyway, so it worked. And I've used this on friends that are unsaved. And I said, have you ever thought about giving thanks? And I, I'll share the verses with them. And actually, one person that I've shared this with, he's recently came to know Christ. And so it was really neat that I always continually remind him back, remember to give thanks. But then the third thing is the third command is in everything, give thanks. And so what I found interesting about this is in chapter one, verse two, Paul opened this chapter, this book with giving thanks for those, the church of Thessalonica. And so he, he opens with giving thanks, he opens with joy, and he opens saying that he is praying for them also. And then he closes this book with that same thing of uh, always rejoicing, constantly praying, and then giving thanks in everything. He says, why? For this is God's will for us. And this is referring back to always rejoicing, constantly praying, and in everything give thanks. And this is a challenge. This is the challenge here. It's about our faith in God. He is challenging them as he challenges each one of us to have faith in God. 
He knows what's going on, right? He's got this. Even though everything is, the turmoil is out there, he's got it. And so as I think about this, I started thinking, he knows me, he knows you, right? He created us. And he loves you, he loves me. And he cares for you. And he sees what's going on and knows what you're going through. And you can always have faith in that. So there's a challenge for you. Well, we kind of have a running theme here, and you're going to hear a little bit more. Um, and I'm going to refer to some of my notes because uh, this week I've been a little busy. But um, I wanted to thank you personally today to this church. Uh, a couple things you've been praying for me. I have been at the fires up at the, the uh, campfires for a pretty long time. It's been a little bit wearing and tearing even on myself. So I wanted to thank you for your prayers. And uh, I'll be continuing to go up as God um, allows that. And just for safety for me driving and safety that, um, for those people working that. And that's kind of where my theme comes from. But I wanted to challenge you as a church today. And I personally want to uh, just say thank you. And that's kind of what I've been thankful for is, is you folks. And so I'm going to look at uh, 1 Corinthians 12. And Paul here was uh, trying to work with some churches and having troubles and trying to teach them and, and that type of stuff. And he challenged, challenges the members to work together. And so I want to challenge you to continue that with what I'd like to say today. I want to read uh, in 12 a couple areas. So the verses are 12 through 14, 25 through 27. Talks about one body with many, many members. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we are all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink from one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. I want to go down to 25 through 27 here. That there may be no division in the body, but the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all of us suffer. If one member is honored, we all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ, individually members of it. So I wanted to personally thank you as a church today for coming along my side during our fires here. The car fires happened and we came together as members and, and came along my side and I wanted to personally thank you as a church. I'm going to cry. But when that happens and we come together as a church, it's an amazing thing what can happen. And we all have different gifts. We all individually are busy and doing things. But when a, something that comes along like that, I was so thankful to see our church come along my side as we opened up a disaster center here. And it was chaos and it was crazy. But a lot of you came and volunteered your time. A lot of you came to my side, Jim, what can we do? And you know, as we do that as a church together, guess what, church? You forget all your problems. You forget the things in your way. You, you step away from that. 
because you're serving, you're helping others, and you're taking care of people that are hurting and, and in trouble. And yeah, in all that chaos, you were scrubbing floors, you were cleaning bathrooms, you were coming alongside and taking trash out. And see, that's what Paul is talking about there. Even of all of our differences, of all of our other things going on in our lives, it's about us coming together as a church. It's about us being a help, those people that are in need. And that's my heart. But I wanted to thank you. That's my praise and thank you. I wanted to personally say that to you, that you guys came along. I couldn't have done it without this church coming alongside and volunteering that most of you did that. And the other neat thing I saw was other local churches said, Jim, how can we help you? So we might have differences with the other churches or not quite on the same page, but they came around and said, hey, how can we help? And they brought, they were doing laundry in their own homes for us, for all those people until I could get help up here. That was an amazing thing to watch. So we forgot the things in our lives. We forgot the troubles that you went through and you just pitched in. And now I'm just helping out at the campfire. And it's, it, it is, like they said, it's, it's the deadliest and the most destructive in all of California. And it's not stopped. It's still going, about 58%. But they're still battling it. Long, heavy winds last night came through areas again and kicked it back up in areas. You're talking 6,700 firefighters and all those other people involved trying to take care of this. But they even come together. But it's a rewarding thing that, that we can do. So I ask you to continue to pray for them too. I know some of you come and said to me, how can you help? And I wanna leave you with one thought and a prayer request. This is how Jesus lived his day every day that he was here on earth. He took care of the hungry, he took care of the sick, he healed people, he brought the church together his disciples learned to follow him and do as he did. And that's the way I try to live my life, for the compassion and caring for other people. I would like to challenge this church to continue that. I will challenge you in different ways to come forward and help us in different things when we can help people. I want to become more like Jesus as a whole church, that we all come together, we forget everything else, and help this community help ourselves in time of need too. You have needs also in our, and more and more of you are coming forward and letting us know that you need a little help. And that's what it's about. So thank you, church. I wanna personally thank you for that.